Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding your learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. There is a quality in a person that, when it is sincere and earned, is probably one of the most admired qualities a person can have, and that is confidence. People instinctively understand that confidence has a tremendous influence on a person's ability to get things done. Uh, You might have two people approach the same problem, both with equal skills and intelligence, but we all know that the one with confidence has the edge always. And thus, it is an important quality to understand and acquire. And the better you understand it, the easier it is to acquire, obviously. For that reason, we decide to make it Uh, the subject of today's uh, podcast episode. Now, I want to read you uh, an anecdote from Mr. Hubbard, which illustrates this point perfectly. Happens to be one of my many favorites of his many anecdotes. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but we're very fortunate that when we are studying L. Ron Hubbard's research into the mind and organizations, we are also studying the work of a celebrated author and a master storyteller. So it makes it very fun. And very interesting. You know, as you listen to his lectures, as you read his articles, many, many interesting anecdotes, both from his life and from others. Anyway, fascinating, fascinating journey. All right. So anyway, it goes like this. And this is from one of his lectures of 15 April 1959. And he's discussing a code of conduct to be adopted by practitioners of the technology he developed to bring sanity and, shall we say, spiritual resurgence to the individual. So here you go. He says, quote, to give you an example of self-confidence, there was a riot down in Dallas, Texas, one time at a World's Fair. And the riot had been going on for some time, and somebody sent for the Texas Rangers. And after a while, why, a big fellow in a sombrero and a gun on his hip came around to find out about the riot. And they looked at him and they said, but you're just one ranger. He said, well, it's just one riot. Now, this sort of cockiness and confidence, continuing to read from Mr. Hubbard, now this sort of cockiness and confidence is very far from discouraged. It adds up to what is known as altitude, which is another factor that sort of weaves its way around in one of these codes, altitude. It's merely an expression of confidence. Your beingness is excellent, quite certain. You know what you're doing quite positively, and you'd be amazed how many riots you could take control of just this way. Goes on to say, well, that is attitude of mind. That is the number of wins you've had. That's the amount of confidence you have in your own ability and so forth. So that from uh, Mr. Hubbard, 15 April 1959. Title of the lecture is Codes. So here then you have demonstrated for you the relationship between confidence and results. You tackle anything, sorting out of an employee, perhaps, or an upset customer. You're addressing a complex construction problem. You're in construction or you're a doctor and you're curing a patient of an incurable illness, perhaps, and you're addressing it. 
you address it with confidence, you're going to have better results. Dealing with a teenager at home, try dealing with confidence. You might be surprised at the difference in results when addressed with the certainty and cockiness that true confidence gives. So what does confidence consist of? So this, what I'm about to go over with you, is from a fabulous article from Mr. Hubbard. It's dated the 10th of November, 1971, and it's entitled Organization and Survival. Now, it's a simple one-page article, but it has so many gems in it, I could probably, and I may end up creating three episodes based on its content. But uh, I'm going to go over the whole thing with you, and I'm going to emphasize the data on confidence. So he starts out with this. He says, quote, well-organized activities survive. The survival of individuals in those organizations depends on the highly organized condition of the activity. A small group, extremely well-organized, has excellent chances of survival. Even a large group, badly organized, hasn't a prayer. This is, uh, as an aside here, this is a very important datum. A testament to the importance of putting in these fundamentals that we're going over with you in Business Wise and what Mr. Hubbard is teaching you and what's covered in, uh, for the wise members listening, your model of admin know-how program. You know, the more organized you're going to get, the more you're, the more organized you get, rather, the better you will survive. And uh, you might try to uh, solve survival problems by increasing in size when really what you need to do is increase in organization. Okay. So he goes on to say this. He says, uh, the essence of organization is org boarding. Org, of course, short for organizing. The essence of organization is org boarding, posting with reality, and in keeping with the duties being performed, training, and hatting. Again, another testament to the importance of training your crew, your staff, your organization, uh, employees, and so forth. Okay, to this has to be added the actual performance of the duties so that the activity is productive. It's all well and good to train people, but then they got to execute what they just learned. And this is, uh, there's actually often a big disparity between training somebody. Okay, this is how you, for instance, you could be training them on sales technology. There is a technology of sales, strangely enough. Most people don't realize that, but there is. And realizing that is one of the fundamentals to improving your sales team. But when you now teach them these things, they need to then apply them or use them. Okay, same thing with fundamental policies of the organization, keeping things in writing, for instance, using the communication system device for that organization, using the routing forms, having the person study the various duties, they should do them. For myself, I have uh, written up a number of hat descriptions for volunteer organizations. It's very interesting that uh, often they don't get uh, read or maybe they are read, but only in a cursory fashion. They're not really studied. So the actual duties of the write-ups don't get executed, and consequently, the volunteer uh, association organization doesn't prosper as it should. It, it will usually move along uh, with a decent org board and decent hats. But the more the individuals in that group study the hats uh, and the write-ups and the duties that they're supposed to be executing and learn uh, the process of executing those duties, of course, the greater survival of even a volunteer organization. You know, I, I sometimes think that people have the idea because something is a volunteer organization, they don't need to be had it. I can tell you, you need to be had it anywhere you want to get a product. You need to get had it. I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I was raised in Vermont. And uh, when your barn was burning down and you had 74 head of cattle in there 
and the volunteer fire department showed up, uh, you better hope they were had it, and they better hope they were had it too. Because they had to go in and, and put order into chaos and try to salvage the hurt. So, you know, hatting is important in any area of life. Training is important in any area of your life uh, where you're trying to get a positive result. Anyway, goes on to say this. Um, I'll just review this. He says, uh, to this has to be added the actual performance of the duties so that the activity is productive. The outward signs of a badly organized group are slovenliness and fumbles. If you have a sloppy looking organization, if it's not really being kept up, sturdy or full of uh, what we call kludge, which is just unnecessary bits and pieces of things, and it makes the place look cluttered, and there are fumbles, mistakes being made. It's an outward sign of a badly organized group. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls there. Have a good look in the mirror because you're the guy supposed to be organizing these things. Okay. So he goes on to say this. Another ingredient that goes hand in hand with organization and survival is toughness. The ability to stand up to and confront and handle whatever comes away of the organization depends utterly on the ability of the individuals of the organization to stand up to, confront, and handle what comes the individual's way. The composite whole of this ability makes a tough organization. Yeah, you need to be a tough organization in this day and age. And it, it, trust me, it's only going to get more so. So you better make sure that the individuals in your organization are trained and competent and uh, acquire the toughness needed to deal with whatever comes up because things are going to come up. They come up. More is going to come up. And of course, the bigger the game you're playing, the more you're trying to uh, affect in the world, uh, the tougher uh, the challenges will be. But they can be met with training and acquired competence and, of course, uh, toughness. And it goes on to say, an individual is not properly posted, isn't performing the duties of the post, is not trained or had it, is soft. He has no position to hold. Therefore, he goes down at the first fan of a feather. Okay. Again, this is obviously a function of the challenges you're up to taking on. I mean, every organization, every company has its challenges, but uh, depending on the magnitude of what you're trying to accomplish, it's probably more challenging to create an organization that is trying to bring ethics and sanity to the world than perhaps just, um, you know, get shoes sold and distributed in that community. But either way, every game has its challenges. And uh, it is important uh, to have that element of toughness, force of competence, and so on. Now, listen to this, because now he gets into this business about confidence. He says, confidence in one's teammates is another factor in organization survival. Confidence in oneself is something that has to be earned. It is respect. This is a compound of demonstrated competence being on post, and being dependable. I'm going to go over that with you again because he's giving you three important factors to confidence. First of all, he says confidence has to be earned. It is respect. It isn't something that people have in you just because you show up. It is built through a compound of, quoting Mr. Hubbard, a compound of demonstrated competence, being on post, and being dependable. Okay, so let's take the first one up. Demonstrated competence. Obviously, that has to do with training 
and applying what you've learned. Okay. And you watch someone, you know, you're working on a construction site and you see, you know, uh, the foreman or maybe one of the senior uh, tradesmen involved with that construction, just demonstrating competence all the time. Like just, you know, oh gosh, how do we deal with this one? You know, this is a, uh, we have a dip here in the ceiling and I don't know how to fix it. And, you know, water coming in from the roof and we're trying to figure out where it's coming from. And, you know, this guy takes one quick look at it, starts uh, assessing this, assessing that, says, oh, this is easy enough to fix, and then demonstrates his competence and deals with it. Right? And it's like, wow, we have confidence in that guy. That guy is demonstrating competence. You know, this guy, we have a lot of confidence in him. Got those two words, competence and confidence. I hope I'm not screwing them up. But uh, demonstrated competence results in confidence from the other players on the team with that person. Same thing in an athletic team. If the team has great confidence, they see one of their teammates demonstrating great competence, their confidence goes up. You know, they say about a great athlete that he makes his other players better. Well, that's one of the ways they do it. You know, the other teammates get better because they have greater confidence because of the demonstrated competence of this guy. But listen to what he says here. Second factor, being on post. You can be very confident. You know, I'm not going to name any names, but I do follow, um, as you know, I, I follow a certain hockey team. Some of you know anyway. But uh, there is a player of extraordinary competence, extraordinary competence, but he's not always on post. He doesn't always show up. And sometimes when he shows up, he doesn't show up with all of his skills. That's not being on post. And that, of course, does not inspire confidence, even though there's demonstrated competence. You see that that factor is important, too. And that comes up. I was mentioning uh, volunteer organizations earlier. You know, you can have some very, very competent people involved with your volunteer uh, organization. You're organizing something up to uh, take care of uh, maybe uh, morality in the community or crime or education or literacy or what have you, all these worthwhile causes. Most of us here uh, and most of the listeners are involved with uh, some aspect of making a, a, a better scene in the community or in the, in the world at large. And it's a great source of frustration when you have these highly competent people, but they're not on post. You can't get them on the phone. They uh, don't show up at the meetings. So even though they're competent and a great asset to the team, in theory, if they're not being on post, well, then that confidence wanes. It, it will go away. Right. And then finally, he says, and being dependable, you know, uh, kind of goes along with being on post. I mean, yeah, the guy showed up, but we can't always depend on him. Right. And but here's a person we can always count on. Like things are getting tough around here. We have a rough week ahead of us. We have a rough uh, perhaps uh, the gross income is uh, far shy of where it needs to be so that we can cover the basic expenses of the organization, make sure everybody gets paid. But, you know, we can always depend on, you know, Joe over here to pull something off. You know, I don't know how he does it, but he just does it because he's competent. He's on post and he, you can always depend on him. You know, there's a necessity level that comes over the person and they just, okay, they just step up and raise, rise to the occasion. And those kinds of beings, so they're kind of rare, but boy, uh, do they inspire confidence in themselves from their teammates. And uh, so those are those three qualities, very, very important. And ones that once you understand it, pretty easy to acquire, you know, get trained and demonstrate competence. Don't just train to train or study to make, to say you studied it, study it and train with the intention of becoming very, very competent and demonstrate that competence. 
And then always being, uh, you know, being on post, whatever that post is, it could be post of husband, you know, it could be post of wife, you know, and, uh, but she's there, she's on post. She's not, uh, uh, you know, going out and playing bridge when she needs to, uh, you know, put the kids to bed or something, you know, that's being on post and, you know, the husband's, uh, home at night and helping the kids with the homework and doing whatever he's doing and not just going out and having a drink with his uh, buddies. He's on post. I'm not saying you can't, uh, you know, take time off. I'm not trying to advocate that, but you, I think I'm making my point. Being on post has, uh, is more than just being on post in an organization. It actually has a lot of applications across uh, many factors of life, right? And then being dependable. Now, you know, this last one is so out of vogue. And it's terrible. You know, it's, it's an old fashioned idea that yes, you can depend on me, you know, count on me. Let me tell you something. You can depend on me. I've found that uh, people don't really like to utter those words that much that, well, you know, I'll help, but I don't know if you can really depend on me. You know, I can't be sure that I'll always be there. And I hate to give my word in case I break it. And this kind of malarkey, right? Just, uh, it makes for a tough, to build a real group or organization, it really does. And um, I don't know there's a, there's a, that there's that much wrong with being dependable. I think being dependable is kind of cool, you know, uh, knowing that your teammates can count on you, that you'll come through not 100% of the time, you know, 90% of the time. Or if you don't, you're certainly going to go down swinging and do everything you can. And, you know, such actions are admirable, obviously, but they're also really good for the person who has that quality. You know, it makes them whole, uh, makes them stronger. We admire them. Again, it is something that can be acquired, but it involves understanding these things and uh, working at it, I guess you could say. And uh, when you have that, you bring about a tremendous amount of confidence in self from others. And of course, you too acquire greater confidence in self and it just builds and builds. It just starts to snowball. Okay. It's an important quality. All right. So he goes on to say this, Mr. Robert, he says, after an individual has failed, confidence in him on the part of his teammates sinks. He has lost face and is not respected. This then shows itself up in numerous ways. It is up to that individual to earn back confidence so that his teammates will again trust him. The way to do this is to get properly org boarded trained, hatted, and to confront and handle with competence whatever that post is supposed to control. So whether it's a volunteer organization, whether it's your company, whether it's uh, uh, whatever, whatever you're involved in, a family, get properly org boarded. In other words, you're, you have a position on the organizing board of some form or another. You're, you know, you're the, the director of this or the officer of that or in charge of this or in charge of that. That's expressed on the organizing board. This is your function, okay? This is your, your uh, these are your duties in the line of production that will end up in valuable final products of the organization or valuable final services. This is your piece of the pie, I guess you could say, the end of the canoe. You know, this is what you have to perform so that we can all survive, right? And so you get yourself situated correctly on the organizing board. Then you get trained, had it to confront and handle. Confront, you know, don't avoid, you know, face without flinching. That's the definition for confront, you know? And the more you do that, uh, you know, it sounds maybe a little scary or gruesome, but son of a gun, if life doesn't get much simpler and much more fun when you do confront these things and not avoid them, okay? 
and handle with competence whatever that post is supposed to control. All these posts are involving control. You know, you got salesperson, he's controlling the prospect, you know, to get him to purchase what's needed. And of course, when you go sit down in the barber's chair or the dental chair, or you're getting measured up for a suit. Yeah. The guy who's measuring you up for the suit, he's going to control you, you know, turn this way, pull up this arm and, you know, stand this way and stand that way and turn around. And, you know, that's always an element of performing a hat or duties is there an element of control has to be. So then he goes on to say this, the ultimate in no confidence by a group in a team member is no post at all. Reports from those who have no post or from those who are between posts stress the horrors of having no post. So you can, you can get fired. You can be relegated to the scrap heap. You can be told to step aside. You know, probably remember when you were a kid, you know, like getting benched, you know, you're not contributing. You're not doing your part. You're not, perf- you're not uh, demonstrating confidence. You're not being on post and you're not being dependable. So you're there. You are sitting on the bench humiliated. I don't care. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you played sports, but probably we've all had that experience. And it's a little bit humiliating. It's the horrors of no post being between two posts, you know? So beings want uh, a part of the game, believe it or not, no matter how aberrated they are and what they say, uh, they come way, way, way up the tone scale when they are given a hat or a part of the whole cycle of the production of a group, whatever that group might be, and they start to perform. I used to be a, a camp counselor for kids from broken homes. And uh, in you know deep in the woods, you get some of these um, rather hard to control young men. And uh, it was... This was before I discovered Mr. Hubbard's technology, but I instinctively knew, let's give them a post, you know, let's show them what to do, give them some responsibility. And uh, strangely enough, you know, they really came up the tone scale and really started to enjoy themselves. And uh, we had some fine little groups then, you know, back working back at Camp Louis Voyageur in uh, Quebec, Canada. Anyway, uh, point it being, hand out posts. Get people trained, teach them to confront, teach them to handle and demonstrate competence and be on post and be dependable. And people will have more and more confidence in them. And the whole group will have more and more confidence in each other. And you will have a true group, a fine group, a very proud group, and one that will produce uh, the desired effect, no matter how big that effect is. You know, I remind you of the earlier part of this article, he says, a small group, extremely well-organized, has excellent chances of survival. I don't care how small your group is. You know, you say, look, I'm going to tackle this whole city, and I'm here in the middle of New York City, and I got a group of 12 people, and, you know, enough is enough, and we're going to bring ethics and sanity to this town, and we're going to bring it back from the brink, and we're going to bring about a better world. And you say, what chance do we have? You have a great chance. With this technology, you have a great chance, as long as Everyone uh, gets org boarded, put on the org board. They get trained. They learn how to confront and handle. You help them learn how to confront and handle. And uh, they are demonstrating their competence. They're arriving on posts or on post every day. You know, it's like I work, you know, I work for two hours a week. Well, it's 
hard to build an organization, even a volunteer organization, when somebody only commits to two hours between, you know, six and eight on Tuesdays. And that's the only time that they contribute. You know, being on post doesn't say, I'm not trying to say every volunteer organization has to, every member has to put in 40 hours a week, but, you know, be on post and be dependable. And you will have very rewarding, wonderful success of any type of group here. You're applying these principles in. Okay, that's it for uh, today. Hope this was helpful for you. Please do uh, give us a like if you liked what you learned today. Uh, leave your comments. We certainly enjoy reading them. Or better yet, write us at info at wiseeastus.org and let us know what you got out of this. And um, that's it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening.